Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, host of the show on this Thursday, first day of a brand new month. In fact, for many companies, first day of a brand new financial year, today being 1st of July, 2021. Trust you've had a great financial year. If your business ended on the 30th of June in terms of your business year, and looking forward to making this year hopefully the best year ever. Now, I haven't done a podcast in the last couple of days because I've had the absolute privilege of uh, actually running a three-day training program for a group of trainers at a phenomenal Australian, uh, well, I think it was a global business, uh, a company called Nestle, and a great, great group of people that I was uh, working with over the last three days. I was actually running a Train of the Trainer program, so a bunch of trainers who, uh, who work within the Nestle business across uh, parts of the organization and helping them become extraordinary trainers. So uh, I can't name all of them by name, but a shout out to the team. They were phenomenal over the last three days, uh, which meant didn't have time to record a podcast because it was absolutely flat out. Uh, running running this particular program and working with them over the last three days, but then I had a couple of nighttime programs to run for the Northern Hemisphere, which is also really exciting. So uh, uh, apologies if you've been waiting for the next installment of the of the podcast. There's been a, a break of two days, so I do apologize for that. But fresh off the, the last three days, I wanted to talk about a specific topic that we covered in this particular training program that I think is relevant for all people who deal with human beings, all people who deal with uh, whether it be one-on-one sort of interactions, whether it be coaching, mentoring, training, uh, whether you're leading somebody, whether you're leading a team, whether you're trying to influence. And uh, one thing I, I learned over the last three days is it is so much easier and so much more enjoyable when you get to work with people who have an insatiable desire to learn new things, new approaches, and different ways to pass a message on, to get a topic, take it, uh, and put it into a framework and a format that enables them to communicate that effectively to the audience that they're speaking with, that they're leading, that they're teaching, that they're mentoring, uh, whether that be a small group, a large group, or in fact, one-on-one in some cases for these guys who do a lot of training one-on-one. And it's a key message around uh, learning people's different styles. Now, this is not personality profiling because we we can we can all do those. You can do a Myers-Briggs, you can do a, a DISC, an extended DISC, and Herman Brain, MBTI, Human Synergistics, Reach, and a whole host of other ones. Uh, and they're all phenomenal uh, phenomenal profiles because they give you a great insight in terms of the person's characteristics, not necessarily their character, but certainly some characteristics. And it gives you an insight in terms of how they process information, but also how they like to communicate. What I'm talking about here, and this is something we delved into uh, in really, really deep fashion uh, with this group, is learning preferences or learning styles. Now, this is something that not a lot of coaches look at, not a lot of sales leaders in particular look at. And what I found was not a lot of trainers necessarily look at. And what tends to happen is, and this might sound intuitively correct uh, based on your own experience, we tend to learn and we tend to teach based on our own preferences. Now, that's a pretty obvious statement. But when it comes to teaching in particular, often we are going to be uh, influenced pretty heavily by how we like to learn. And therefore, we will tend to teach as a default in that particular type of framework. Uh, or that or that style. And what this does, similar to being really a one-dimensional, I'm not saying we're one-dimensional trainers, but one-dimensional 
uh, person is you'll start to attract people who are very much like you. And this is, this is especially true as sales leaders that are building teams. We have to be conscious of, hey, what am I in terms of a personal style? And what do I need to complement my style so that I can build a really big, big team, but also an eclectic mix of different people that bring different skill sets, different ways of thinking, different perspectives, and for all intents and purposes, a different personality to the team. So it actually makes it a team, not just a bunch of uh, copycats like me. Uh, And so this is exactly the same when it comes to training and when it comes to teaching, when it comes to certainly coaching and mentoring people. And so the learning preferences is a is another level, if you like, of, of styles of people that's really important for us to understand and really delve into. And it's critical to our ability to not only communicate, it's certainly critical to our ability to coach effectively and certainly teach. Now, whether you're teaching one-on-one, whether you're teaching your team, or whether you're teaching small groups, learning these learning preferences will be uh, an eye-opener for many because it will give you an insight in terms of how people learn and therefore, how can I structure my teaching and how can I structure my coaching so that they can learn in the most appropriate way? And so the learning preferences, this is a model that was created many years ago, in fact, back in 1987 by a gentleman by the name of Neil Fleming. Now, Neil was a, a teacher in New Zealand, and he always had this fascination with how children in particular learnt. Now, I remember back when I was a kid, there's always going to be some people in the classroom where the teacher would always pick on, and I thought they were picking on them. Because they would tend to look out the window, they'd look in the ceiling, anything, they'd do anything but look at the teacher. And in some cases, they would just sit down and look at their, their own book, or they'd be drawing and listening and listening to the teacher. Although the teacher would always think, hey, Johnny, Sally, whoever you are, don't look out the window, don't look up at the ceiling because the answers are not there, you need to pay attention to me. Now what the teacher wasn't realizing is those little kids, Johnny, Sally, and probably a whole host of other kids, that was how they were learning and that was how they were taking in information. And what the teacher didn't do is they didn't necessarily question those little kids as to what the teacher just said to check whether those kids were actually resonating with what was being said. And so people got pigeonholed. And, and what frustrated Neil was there was going to be a lot of kids that were going to be left behind because he'd seen a lot of kids left behind because they hadn't necessarily been taught or in the way that they liked to learn. And so what he created was... He understood that they're different people, and certainly this started at the child age in school, they, they actually learnt through different modalities, different learning styles. So he created what's called as the VARC model, which is standing for visual, auditory, reading and writing, and kinesthetic. And essentially what it is, is four different styles that people tend to learn, and there's going to be different people that have different combinations of this, but essentially we'll have a preferred uh, learning method uh, that we like to learn. Via. Now, whether that be, for example, visual, you're looking at uh, graphs, illustrations, might be PowerPoints, might be, uh, might be videos, might be pictures, something that you can actually see. So instead of just explaining a concept, you actually have to see it. So I remember this, and, and I'm part visual, but highly kinesthetic when it comes to learning. Uh, when it comes to, for example, me trying to fix something on my right on lawnmower, right? I can't read a Uh, I can't read a a user guide, a user manual, and make sense of it. I need to see a visual. So if there's not a picture there, I'm all over the place. I've got no idea. So my first thought is, okay, I need to fix this. There's nothing in the manual that makes sense. I'll go onto YouTube, and I'll type in the problem that I've got, and there it is. There is a video. Once I've seen it, and then once I can do it, I can actually get the same result. So visual and kinesthetic is what I am. In fact, I'm probably kinesthetic visual. So you've got visual people who love to see things. Then you've got the auditory people. And these are the ones that respond to one-on-one conversations. They listen to things like podcasts. 
They have group dis- discussions. They have group presentations. They have oral presentations. They want to hear things. So they're the ones that don't necessarily read books. They will listen to books because how they learn is through listening. And I always remember this, that there were people in classes in my uh, in when I was in high school in particular who were never necessarily looking at the teacher. They were lis- listening to them, but they kind of had their head sideways. And when the teacher asked them what they had just said because they thought the kid wasn't actually paying any attention, these kids would actually be able to literally recite every single word that the teacher said. And I didn't realize that at the time. I just thought they just might have had a, had a uh, photographic memory. These kids were auditory listeners. They don't need to look at somebody. They, they can simply get their information through hearing. So they use their sense of hearing as a key modality to learn. Then you've got the people who are reading and writing. And these are the ones that like reading books. They love articles. They love process flows. They love handouts. They might even like things like flip charts, uh, writing answers. They'll take heaps of note-taking and they like to read. They're a copious learner from a perspective of reading books. You go into their house, they'll have stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of book, books. And they'll probably have two or three books on the go at the one time. They won't read one book at a time. They'll have multiple books happening at once. And then we have the kinesthetic learner. These are the guys who want hands-on activities. Now, in training programs, of course, these are the people that just love and get involved in the role plays or the simulations. They will take lots of uh, notes. They will listen, they will watch, but also they'll have to write things down because they need to be able to touch things. So there's a connection between their brain and their and the paper that when they get 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 an idea, they've got to actually write it down because there's a kinesthetic doing component of that. So uh, when it comes to uh, managing, leading, these are the guys. And I'm reflecting back on one of my one of my roles in in corporate when I was at Telstra. There was one particular executive who hated to be in meeting rooms. He hated to be in his office. So what he would do, he was he'd, he would run his meetings, he'd do his coaching sessions, he'd do his one-on-ones as a walking meeting because he wanted to be doing something. There was, a, there was a change of environment. There was a more of a hands-on approach. It wasn't a theoretical conversation. It was more of a, a kinesthetic type, let's, let's walk and talk at the same time type of approach. And it really worked for him and people got to, got to get some uh, one-on-one time with that particular executive, so it worked really, really well. So they're the four types of learning styles that exist. You've got the visual, the auditory, the reading and writing, and also the kinesthetic. And I've got to say, when I shared this, and we delved into this pretty deeply with the team at Nestle, they were absolutely gobsmacked because all of a sudden there were light bulbs going off left, right, and center uh, as to the type of people that they had been working with, that they had been teaching, and they had been training, where they all of a sudden realized that the way that they had been teaching was probably not tapping into the learning style of those individuals. What was also intriguing is I got them to do a little uh, questionnaire, which is uh, a set of questions which enables you to also work out uh, what your own VARC preference is in terms of what your learning preference is. And if you like a copy, just simply uh, send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au. If you're interested in that, uh, more than happy to send you a copy of that questionnaire, which will give you an indication as to how you like to learn. So you may be sitting there thinking, okay, that's all well and good, but as a sales leader, for me, how does this apply to me? Well, one of the things that uh, we need to understand that as a sales leader, one day you're going to be coaching them, one day you might be mentoring them, one conversation may be a teaching conversation, and then you might be actually learning yourself. So it's really, really important that we not only tap into the type of people that we've got in our team in terms of their personal styles, how they think, but also more importantly, I think in some cases, how they like to learn because we need to make sure that we are always providing the opportunities for our team to learn, develop, grow, to get better, get outside of their comfort zones. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to teach them in a way that they it resonates with them. They understand that more importantly, 
they can take those concepts, take those teachings and do something with it to drive a result. And so understanding these different profiles around learning styles is absolutely fundamental to our ability to be an exceptional sales leader. So as we wrap up, there's just a few things to think about when it comes to engaging people with different types of style. So when you're talking about the visual uh, learning style, some of the things to, to think about when to engage them is make sure that you use as much graphical representation as you possibly can or anything visual. Use posters, use graphs, diagrams, visual displays, uh, put things on flip charts, uh, redraw pages from, uh, from memory, replace important words with symbols or initials. So anything that's visual, don't put copious amounts of data or copious amounts of writing in front of a visual learner because they'll completely turn off. Make sure also that if you're doing things like PowerPoint or you're doing things like flip charts, use a variety of colors and use different shapes as well because you need to have, for these guys, they like to have, it's almost like less is more for them. So when it comes to things like PowerPoint, flip charts, using whiteboards, don't uh, don't put too much information into a short space or a small space. Make sure there's a lot of white space because they, they love to just see the individual bits of information and that's where their visual component will actually really kick in and they'll, they'll, they'll learn that. For the auditory learners, make sure that you maybe even record things. So they will love things like these podcasts. They will love podcasts. They will love to have conversations. They will love to have a conversation where you can expand on a particular topic. So for a visual learner, you might have something that's uh, something that's visual that they can look at and make sense of. But if you've got an auditory learner in a in a room that is looking at something that's visual, for them to actually understand, you'll have to talk it out. You'll have to have a conversation. You might have to explain it. You might have to go into a lot more depth in in relation to that. You also need to be prepared to take a lot of questions and give a lot of answers because they're going to ask. A lot, a lot of questions because they may want a lot of detail because the way they learn is through listening and through having a conversation. So when you're speaking with them, the other thing to think about as well is don't be don't be monotone in the way you speak. Make sure there's a variety in the tone. Make sure there's a variety in your rate, your pitch, and also your volume because that will actually add color to the auditory uh, auditory areas that your auditory learner is actually tapping into. So that's how you engage with those guys. From the, the people who just love to read and write and that's where they get their information from, make sure you give them as many much information as you possibly can. Give them data, give them workbooks, give them uh, documentation, things that they can look at, whether it be graphs, whether it be booklets, whether it be cheat sheets, anything that will enable them to read and absorb and probably in their own time is what's really important for those guys. And then, of course, you've got the kinesthetic learners and the people in the kinesthetic learning style, these are the ones to engage them We've got to use real-life examples. We've got to give applications and case studies to bring this to life. We might have to utilize pictures and photographs to illustrate the idea, but you want to have something that can, they can do that's hands-on. So there may be some team-based activities. So one of the key things that I, I learned with this is as a kinesthetic learner, once you've learned a concept, you've actually got to then make that make sense for that individual. So one of the best ways to do that is to give the opportunity for a simulation or give the opportunity for a role-play. You've also got to be prepared to have a discussion or a conversation that may involve emotion because kinesthetic people love to tap into their emotions. They will also take a lot of notes because that's how they actually process information because they've got a feeling element. But when you look at their notes, you'll find that there's an element of story in there. There may be some real life examples. There'll be an element of emotion in there because kinesthetic people are typically uh, quite, uh, quite emotional and not so much emotional in the bad sense. They tap into the emotions and that's how they build connections with other 
people. So look, I hope that helps. I hope that I trust that resonates because one of the things that we we found out with these guys at Nestle is that they had no idea as to the learning styles of their people that they were training. Then in some cases they didn't even realize what their own learning style was. And to do the a little exam, the questionnaire, the preference questionnaire, it was a real eye opener for a lot of them because they didn't necessarily uh, think that they were a kinesthetic learner, but answering the questions, when it illustrated that they were, then we talked it through, there was a lot of examples that I could share with me that kind of verify that, yeah, they were in fact a kinesthetic learner. So if you can if you can do that, if you can tap into the different learning styles of your people, I guarantee that will help you communicate at a much higher level, at a much deeper level, and that will lead you to get certainly better results, but also in the process, build some phenomenal engagement with your team, which can only enhance your ability to build momentum and deliver those sustainable results over a longer period of time. So I trust that message helps. And as a key reminder, if you'd like some help with this, or if you know there's another level of performance you can get to, and you know there's another level of performance that your team can get to, then let's work together one-on-one and help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and help your team do exactly the same thing in terms of their performance. Simply go to my calendar at lead with darren.com pick a time that suits we'll jump on a zoom call have a conversation about their program what it looks like and get to work as early as this week so look forward to that conversation and as always look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the exceptional sales leader podcast all the best thank you for listening to the exceptional sales leader podcast i trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.